Hey everybody, it's me, Jason. I'm the youth pastor here at uh, Harvest Point. Um, Jonathan asked me if I could uh, preach today's sermon, and I'm I'm very honored to do so. Um, I hope everybody had a good Christmas. I know it was a little different this year. Um, <laughs> I know that we have a lot of people who are doing Zoom Christmases where family members were not in the same room with them. Uh, some people opted for smaller gatherings where it was just a more immediate family. Some people only uh, had friends over because these are the people they're around every day. Um, it was just different. Maybe it was just you and your fur babies at home. Um, but either way, it, it was different. Um, the good, there's a good part about that. There's bad parts about that. But it was different this year. And uh, 2020 has been a year of different, um, unfortunately. Um, it, it's kind of slowed us down. It's kind of made us think about the traditions that we've done, the things that we've done in the past, why we do them, how important they are, how important people in our lives are. Um, 2020 has really been an eye-opener. It has been a hard time. Never in 2019 would we have thought that. 2019, we would have thought every, next year we're going to have another Christmas, no problem. Same thing we're going to have. We're going to have the arguing. We're going to have the presents. We're going to have the cookies. We're going to have just all the things that come with Christmas, the presents. Um, but never would we have thought that we would be in the place we are right now. There's a lot of unrest. Um, we're just uncertain. Um, when this hit, a lot of people were not ready for this, including myself. Um, we got into a rut. We got into our regular routines, and we started missing, not realizing that we were going to miss out on things like going out to eat, like going over to a friend's house, hanging out, like seeing family members. There are people who've lost a lot of family members this year. It, it, it's, it's a hard year. Again, in 2019, we never would have thought we'd be in this place. Um, when I was young, uh, a younger man, there was a song that really moved me. And I know you guys, I, you hear me talk about songs all the time. And last time I preached, we talked about a, a band member, uh, Brian Welch from the band Corn. But, uh, it just shows my rock and roll side. Um, but there is a band, uh, that the former member of Motley Crue, Nikki Six, started in around 2007 called 6AM. Um, they came out with a song called Life is Beautiful. At the time, it meant a lot to me. I loved the song because uh, part of that, one of the verses was, there's nothing like a funeral to make you feel alive. Just open your eyes and see that life is beautiful. That was something that resonated with me when I was young because it's, it's like sometimes you don't live your life because you get into a rut and it takes something devastating to make you focus on what's important. Well, I think 2020 has kind of been that this year. Um, I think it's made us slow down. It's made us understand the context of things, the important parts, to where we could really understand life a little bit more. Um, for the past few weeks, Jonathan has been talking about the miracles of Christmas, going through the Christmas stories and, and just focusing on what the miracles that were happening during that time. Um, I've been... Uh, blessed to be able to bring this one about the three wise men and what we expect when we think about the three wise men, the story of Herod and, and the baby Jesus. But I want to take us and I want us all to think about what we think of when we think of the three wise men. We hear the song, we three kings are okay. So we see these wise men wearing crowns. 
We see them riding in on camels. We see them with these small little adorned treasure chests ready to give these three gifts, these three wise men. We see them coming to the manger scene. They, we see them standing next to maybe the shepherd who has the little lamb laying on the ground beside Jesus. We see Mary and Joseph looking at their baby. We see one of the, 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 the magi or the kings or the wise men handing the gift to Jesus. Okay, we, we get that, that, that sense in our head of, of that they followed a star. They, they, they came from the east and they were watching a star and the whole time they walked and followed the star to, to get to Jesus. You know, as a matter of fact, there's even names for the, the three wise men. There's Melchor, Balthazar, and Gaspar, or Casper. But exactly what is true, what is tradition, like we get into our traditions uh, during this time of year, what's true, what's traditions, what is just brought along that we've learned through the years. I want to take us through what the Bible says about these men, but also I want to give us a perspective, to give us context to who these men are. Um, the Magi. The wise men are known as the Magi. The Magi, who are they? The Magi were a priestly order of the Mesopersian Empire. Now, when we think of priests, we think of like religious officials and things of the sort, but in many contexts, priests are just wise men. As a matter of fact, the name priest comes from the, pres the word presbyter, which means elder. So these are just men who are older, who are wiser, who have dealt with things in life. But this order of priests served under a king. A king would gather these men around who were very smart, some scholars, some dream interpreters maybe, people who could read the stars and help give them an edge of helping them to understand what was going on in the world. But also there were a bunch of charlatans and, and illusionists who pretended they could create something out of thin air and, and, and just basically what we see in magic tricks and things like that that are just illusions. They would use this and these kings were like, I want that guy on my team. These are who the Magi were. They were very respected and revered men that the king used as advisors. Um, a lot of these men were of different religions, from different countries, different regions, different walks of life, and they brought all the stories the, the legends, the prophecies, and everything from their countries so that these kings had this vast knowledge so when something happened, they would have someone to talk to. Some notable magi um, would be, for example, uh, Balaam. Balaam uh, came from a king, and the king was Balak, and he, he was a prophet of God because God used him to prophesy. Um, look at Daniel. Daniel was a man who was in prison and interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon's dream. When he interpreted that dream, King Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what? I respect you. You are somebody I want on my side. And he put him in charge of his uh, officials or his advisors, or we can call them his magi. The word magi is actually just a plural verb form of a word called magus, which is where we get the, 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 the word magic or mages if you're D&D a, a &D players. Um, but it was usually a Meso-Persian, uh, Mesopotamia-Persian um, 
Empire. You know, there was no one faith. They probably all conferred with each other when something happened. But these men knew of some of the um, prophecies of the Jewish people. One of them that they would be so, so familiar with would be the one from Balaam. Balaam in Numbers 24, 17 said, A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. Now, it was well known at that time that when you talked of Jacob, you were talking about the sons of Jacob, and those were the Israeli people. A scepter will emerge from Israel. This was obviously an allusion to uh, a king will rise from Israel. Well, they know this in their books and their scholars, and they talk about it, and they were looking for things. But also in Micah, as we'll talk about later on, some of the other uh, prophecies were in there. And these men were men who would look for these signs for their king. Their king needed to be informed of everything. Well, these men were looking for the signs when they saw it. When that star rose, they were excited. And they told their king. And their king sent them to make contact. And so now you understand a little bit of who the Magi are and where they're coming from. Now I want to take a minute, and I just want us to talk about King Herod. King Herod... We get, a different, we get different views of King Herod. Um, we, we get the King Herod at our return to Bethlehem that Wayne puts on that is a very, that proclaims and he's ready to, to just, just take out this child and, and, and does such a great job uh, of portraying. Um, but we try to understand who he is and why he is the way he is. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background on King Herod. King Herod was an Edomite. The Edomite were an Arab people who later converted to Judaism. They weren't very uh, versed in the Jewish law, but they were learning. Um, there were a lot of them that were Jewish because they were born Jewish. They, 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 they never really put stock into the, the prophecies or anything like that. Uh, King Herod was one of these people. Um, King Herod, um, his father served under Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar ran the Roman Empire, and the uh, Roman Empire pretty much took that whole land in that area. So his father served Caesar, and as a favor, Caesar put Herod in charge of Galilee. He was the governor of Galilee. During this time, the Parthians, the Parthians, they, the Persian, what we call the Persians, the Persians came in, took over the area of Galilee, and the brave warrior governor of Herod did what every warrior would do. He ran and hid like a little baby. Um, he went and he ran up to uh, Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony was a general of Julius Caesar's. And he basically told him, look, they took over my area. And I'm going to tell you how much Judea would mean to this country, uh, to, to Rome. And he, he knew how to talk. So he would talk Mark Anthony's ear and say, you know what, you need this. Mark Anthony says, you know what, I'm going to put you in charge. I'm going to help you out. And I'm going to send in force. So they, they, they sent the Persians out. Um, so at this time, now he's in control of that area again. Well, Julius Caesar dies. When Julius Caesar dies, there's a fight for the throne. There's Mark Anthony, who now uh, Herod has thrown his lot in with. And then there's Caesar's son, Octavius. Octavius and Anthony fight. Anthony loses. Well, Herod, the opportunist he is, scared he might lose power, 
decides, you know what? If I grovel to Octavius and tell him how important Judea is and how I have influence over these people, then he'll keep me in charge. So that's exactly what he does. He apologizes and says, I'm sorry I served him. You know, I should have served you the whole time. And you know what? The Judea is such a great crossroads. I think it would be so great for your empire. I think you should put me in charge of it. Octavius said, you know what? I can use this guy. Put him and made him king. Herod knew how to play the game. Herod knew how to stay in charge. To Herod, the most important thing was to stay in charge. So as he, as he went by, he, he had to straddle the line between the government and his people. His people, the Jewish people, and their prophecies, he would learn just enough to keep them happy. He, he built the temple. Um, and then he also knew how to talk to the uh, Romans and say, you know what, for Rome, we're here for Rome. So he knew how to straddle that line. So this is a man, as, as he got to the end of his life, became very paranoid. He had to hold on to power. As a matter of fact, he killed a lot of his family members because he thought that they may be people trying to take his power. He even killed his wife, thinking that she may take his power. So this is a very paranoid king who wants to stay in power. And that's where we, we, we are now. So I want to get into the actual verses, but we, I wanted to give you a little bit of context of who these people are and what we're about to see. So we're going to be in Matthew here, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Okay, now I want to stop here for just a second. Why was he troubled? Why was he disturbed? Well, there's a couple reasons for that. One of them, these are the same, these are the Persian people, the ones who ousted him once before. And let's get a little bit of a view of what the Magi did. Again, we think of the Magi coming in on camels, the three of them walking in, and they want to see the king. Well, let's be honest. If three men came in and said, hey, we want to talk to the king, the king didn't have time for that. But that's not what happened. These men, they're, they're from the Arabian area. They didn't travel on camels. Camels were pack animals. They traveled on horses. They, they, they were a very horse-driven culture. Now, these men were sent by the king, so they had servants. These servants had to travel on horses or walk, but there were also caravans of things. They needed food. They needed rations. So you're, we're talking about a caravan of people. Now, again, nowhere in the Bible does it say there are three magi. It says the magi. There could have been three. There could have been 12. There could have been 100. We don't know. We know there were three gifts that were talked about. But there could have been many. So now this is a delegation from the Persian Empire. Now, as these men are traveling with these very expensive gifts, they probably needed warriors to protect them. So now we're getting a bigger picture. King Herod is going about his business. Everything's running smoothly. As long as things are running smoothly, you don't have to think about it. And this group from Persia come walking into a city and says they want to speak with the king. This group of many, many men, soldiers, horses, caravans, are there to speak to the king. So you understand where Herod might be a little troubled and the people 
around might be a little troubled. But also, these are foreigners telling the king that a prophecy that you should know about has just happened, but we saw it and you didn't. This bothered him. This bothered the people. So that's, that's where we pick up. So gathering together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So now he's getting this message. Guess what? He's being replaced. This is a very paranoid king. He goes, I can't have this. He says, but you know what? I don't want to upset my people because if this is fulfilling the prophecy to them, then they're not going to follow me if I do something bad. So the next verse, he says, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined, determined from them the exact time the star appeared. He secretly did this because he had secret intentions. He didn't want everybody to know what was going on because if they knew what was going on, it could challenge his power. So he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may too come and worship him. Now, this wouldn't sound awkward to uh, an advisor because if you truly believe that the Messiah is coming through your, your people and he's born, you're going to want to go worship him. You're not being concerned about your power because you believe in the prophecy. So this doesn't alarm them. They go, okay, I understand that. Um, after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. This is important because it says the star shows up all of a sudden, which tells us that they have not followed this star the entire time. When they say that they saw the star, they saw what was going on in the heavens. They saw, um, for example, the 21st of this year, we talked about, uh, we, we, all the media was talking about the star of Bethlehem. We'll see it again. Hasn't been here since for 500 years. Um, that's when the planets Jupiter and Saturn, I believe, uh, came into contact, uh, uh, crossed over each other, made a bright spot in the sky. Now, these were not everyday appearances. This is something like, again, this was 500 years in between. So when they saw this, they go, this means something. Let's look at our prophecies. Oh, my goodness, this is following up with this prophecy. So that's where they saw the star, and they started following the star. Um, this is how they knew. Now, Herod asked them, when did you first see the star? And it doesn't say in here when they did. But later on, we'll see a little bit more about that. So when they saw the star, they rejoiced, exceeding with great joy. Because they saw it before and they see it again. All of a sudden, it just showed back up and they're going, okay, we can find this child. We're, we are excited. This, when they see these things are coming true, they're like, oh my goodness, do you see this? It's happening. I can't believe this is happening. Um. When they saw the star, okay. After coming into the house, or when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I'm, I missed the verse. I am sorry. After hearing the king, they went their way and the star and went before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. 
Then opening their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, there's some things that we need to look at. I think we kind of brush over because we get used to it. It says, after coming into the house, this is a house. We're no longer in the manger now. So now that conception's gone. They did not show up in the manger and, and, and hang out with the animals and the sheep and all. Um, he was in a house at this point. And it says the child. This is not a baby anymore. He, he has grown up a little bit. It's taken some time for them to get from the east to here. So they see this child. And they have seen that everything that is in that prophecy has come true. And at this point, I believe even the, the magi who didn't believe, who were just following this stuff because it's like, oh, this is cool, are starting to go, you know what? This is amazing. Everything's coming true. And they fell down and they worshiped him. They didn't just sit there and go, cool, you're here, king. Remember us. They worshiped him. Um, and they presented their treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is something to unpack majorly, but I'm not going to go over that this time. A lot of people will, but this is very important. Um, the, the gifts they give, they could have given more. But let me just say this about the, the three gifts. There were a symbolic, symbolic reason for these gifts. But even still, these are probably the most expensive things at the time they could have given them. Gold. I don't think they brought a little small box of gold coins and gave it to him. He got, so he probably got a large amount of gold. There was probably caravans of gold, okay? Frankincense and myrrh. These are very, very expensive, expensive things uh, used for religious ceremonies and uh, anointing oils for embalming, things like that. These are very expensive things. So when they're bringing them, they're saying, we're bringing our everything, and not in small amounts, not in little bitty chests, but we're giving you because we recognize you as a king. I'm sure that the king from the other empire was recognizing him because he's saying, hey, I want you to be on our side whenever you become a king. But these magi are giving it to them because they're recognizing who he is. Um, and having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the magi left for their own country by another way. This is very important because the Magi, this tells me the Magi had plans on going back to Herod and saying, okay, we found the child. You can go worship him. He, this is awesome. But then God spoke to them and said, no, he has evil intentions. And these guys said, you know what? We're not going to go the same way. We're going to go back. We're not going to tell him. We're going to risk our lives because at this point, they're uh, directly disobeying the king. Now, it's not their king, but it's dangerous. So they're going their own way. Okay. Now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. Immediately they left. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which had been determined from the Magi. This is it. Then, 
this is important because now you're getting a sense of what the Magi told him. That they saw this star roughly about two years ago. I'm thinking probably a year and a half because I'm sure he wanted to cover the bases and said, let's just go on up to two years just in case. Um, I don't think he said two years. And they said, okay, two years ago, he's probably wanting to kill everybody because he's, he's that paranoid. He cannot lose his power. So this ruthless man said, you know what? Let's kill all the babies that are that age and younger. All right. Then he had spoken um, according to the time which had been determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee and came and lived in the city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what the what was spoken through the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So, these things are happening, and God is directly speaking with Joseph through angels, through dreams, and he spoke with the, uh, the Magi. There were reasons for this great danger that was happening. Um, this is important because before all this happened, nobody was upsetting anything. It was quiet. The king was going about his business. He was appeasing the, the generals. He was appeasing the people. And everybody just went about their life. But something great was about to happen. Jesus was born. Things started getting tumultuous. Things started getting dangerous. And why is this important? Well, throughout Scripture, the Old Testament, a lot of times when God's people, the Jewish people, would get comfortable, they wouldn't rely on God anymore. They start relying on their works, their money, what they were used to, their traditions. And they started forgetting what was important. They stopped caring about what God had to say about these things because they thought they had it figured out. They were wise. They, they were their own. They didn't need God anymore. Usually this happened, and what would happen is a non-believing country Heathens would come in, attack, cause great destruction, and a judge would come and save the people. They would turn back to God. They would say, you know what, God, we're sorry. We, we lost our focus. And they would repent of their sin. This happened over and over again. This is a reoccurring theme. This is repeated out through the Bible. As a matter of fact, at this time, um, Jesus... Jesus' people were the Jewish people. His birth should have been heralded by his people. But instead, a foreign country had to tell the Jewish people that the prophecy had been fulfilled because they were too busy focused on their lives. They couldn't look at what was going on. You know, in 1 Corinthians 1.27, um, it, it, it states, Instead, God choose the th chose the things of the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things 
that were powerless to shame those who were powerful. This was a perfect example. He chose a baby who was powerless to shame the powerful King Herod. He chose the people that didn't believe in God, who were not Jewish people, to tell the people to focus on God, to focus on the prophecy that you say you believe. You know, and it, it, it reminds me again of that song. Um, There's nothing like a funeral to make you feel alive. Just open your eyes and see that life is beautiful. It takes something bad for us to open our eyes and slow down and say, wait, why are we doing this? Are we just doing this because we're living our lives and that's what we do? Or is there a reason for this? And, you know, I, I think that's kind of what's going on here in 2020. I think 2020 has been a wake-up call to us. Again, this year, we've had different Christmas. But you know what? We've got to spend time with one another a little bit closer. We want to strangle each other when we're too close to each other, but, but we get to spend more time with one another. You know? And this is a wake-up call. And, you know, are we going to sleep through the wake-up call? Are we going to go back to 2021? If 2021 goes back to being everything's normal, are we going to completely forget the lessons we learned in 2020? Or are we going to take them into 2021? Are we going to continue to try and be the perfect dad, the perfect husband, the perfect employee, the great boyfriend, great girlfriend? Are we going to try and be uh, the best at our job? Because... You know, we want to be successful. Or are we going to focus on the things that are important, and that's God and what God has in our life? Because when we focus on that, all the other stuff will fall into place. That's something I, I've, I've really been trying to grasp uh, right now when I've slowed down and trying to understand concepts and get the context of what's going on right now. And I think that's just a challenge for us uh, today and this year as we start a new year and we start our resolutions and we're going to lose weight, and that's worked out for me for the past couple of years. Um, but as we go and start making our changes that we're going to do, we start focused on things that we do need to change. And that's our relationship with God, how it needs to be up front and center in our lives. And everything else, God, it'll fall into place. And if it doesn't fall into place, then it doesn't need to be there. And so I just challenge us this year, this week, um, to really think about the things that are important. So let's just, uh, let's close in prayer, guys. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing me to speak your word. Thank you for bringing us together as a family, even though it's virtual right now, that we're in this moment together. Um, 2020 has been crazy. And even still, God, we see you moving in some situations. God, help us to refocus on you and not on ourselves. Help us to be looking for what you're trying to teach us, looking for the prophecies, looking for what you're doing in our lives instead of getting distracted by what we're doing in our lives. God, give us the wisdom of the wise men. Give us the excitement that they saw when they saw the star. Let us lose the arrogance that we have in ourselves that we know it all. Give us strength and give us wisdom. Pray these things in Jesus' name.